It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dettino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 90 minutes, a special edition of BBKL as the games will actually start up this afternoon. Actually, right now, teams are allowed to start talking to potential They're unrestricted four minutes free in, agents. Correct, yes. Yeah, so we will be monitoring along with you. We'll let you know of all the latest reports. Obviously, some wheeling and dealing related to the Giants because the Giants have had opportunities to talk to their own free agents before they hit the market. And you have two options, 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and Giants.com slash podcast. So, Paul, let's start with the news related to the Giants, and there are multiple reports. Remember, the team has not officially confirmed any of this, but it looks as if Sterling Shepard, Jamie Gillen, and Casey Kreider will all be returning to the Giants. We're far from the finalization of the 53-man roster, but Mm -hmm. those are three veterans that have been around, and it, once again, maintains continuity for this team. Well, let's take them one at a time. Sterling Shepard, we know what he provides in terms of the intangibles. The leadership, the tremendous attitude, the the support on the bench, the support for the teammates. Now, he's coming off a serious injury. So let's not kid ourselves. This is a situation where the Giants will have to monitor him medically and figure out when he gets to training camp if he's capable of making the team. And that's what this deal really is. If, in fact, this thing gets signed. It will be about Sterling Shepard. We we really like having you around. You're, you're an asset to this team. The coaching staff and the GM really like him a lot. And it's like, all right, look, if you want to keep trying to play after the years you've been in this league and the injuries that you've had, we'd like you to try here. So give it a, give it a shot. Let's see. Let's see if you can make the team. I remember when Mario Manningham came back after his year in San Francisco and he had banged up his knee badly. And came back to the Giants on a one-year contract, which was not guaranteed, and he could not make it out of training camp. The knee wasn't strong enough, wasn't stable enough. He could only cut in one direction. He could not go in both directions. And, okay, can't, can't make it. And and he was cut. So the fact that uh, that there's a report that Shepard is coming back to the Giants on a one-year deal uh, simply means if it goes through – that he's being given a chance to win a job. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think we would both agree. Absolutely. It makes sense, especially this early in the game, Paul, when you're going to have a 90-man roster to begin with. It's not as if you're taking away chances from other guys. He knows Mm -hmm. the scheme. He knows his teammates. From a leadership standpoint, certainly it doesn't hurt. The quarterback knows him. 100%. But I think what is important for maybe the fans to understand, based on your Mario Manningham example, is... Just because a player comes back in March does not mean that when it comes to the 53-man roster at the beginning of September that they're actually going to make the roster. Right now, they're just keeping their options open. And it gives him, and and this is probably from Shepard's perspective, Paul, 
it gives him an opportunity to come back to the facility and rehab with the people that exactly. were with him right when he suffered the injury. It gives him the best that, chance to make it back. Absolutely. That may be, from his standpoint, that may be the most attractive aspect. Very right? desirable from his perspective. So we'll see. And if it works out and he's one of the five, let's just say, or six that they keep on the 53, well, God bless him. Okay, great. If he deserves to be here, he'll be here. And I think everybody's rooting for him because he's yeah. such a great guy. Nobody wants this thing to, to not work out. But time will still tell. That's the bottom line. Okay, the other two fellas. Uh, Jamie Gillen got into football, American football, late. Because he, as we all know, Scottish Hammer yep. is a rugby guy. Okay. So having said that, the Giants believe that he's got the attitude, the makeup, and the leg to be a really good punter in this league. And remember, he's also left-footed. And there's a dearth of those guys in the league, and there's always a proclivity. that if Different you can, spin. If, yeah, if you, can, if you can use a left-footed kicker, it does occasionally call, cause problems for the other team's return guys and their setups. So if you can find a guy who's successful, it is to your advantage. The Giants believe that he has all of the tools and all of the makeup to still grow and learn. In other words, he's still a little green and a little bit raw. Remember, he was with the, the Browns for only a short period of time, a year or two, before the Giants picked him up last season. So they think there's more untapped potential there that they can dig into. So that would be the rationale for bringing back a Jamie Gillen because he was inconsistent this season. Let's not kid ourselves. He was. And, and there were times where, you know, he just didn't hit it right. There were other times where, you know, he tried a certain type of kick and it didn't do what it was supposed to. But then there were other times where he did exactly what you wanted him to do. So I think they're of the belief that he can grow further and, and somehow, some way, take his game to the next level. And so to them, it's a low-risk signing because they already know the guy and they have trust in him. Okay, that's the second guy. The third guy you mentioned was Casey Kreider. Look, we all know the way it goes, folks. Long snappers, there's two things you want from a long snapper. Reliability and durability. Casey Kreider has given you both. And if a long snapper gives you both of those things, he stays under the radar. And that's exactly what you want. You never want to hear his name during the course of the season. Just like the offensive line. As long as you're not talking about those two aspects, you're fine. Also, the other element in play is... You keep the operation together on field goals. No, well, Grant and punts too. Sure, but that's also critical. Mm -hmm. Snap, hold, make sure Gano. You don't want to mess that up, considering he has not no. been a question mark. No, in terms of the kicking game. So that that that's that's the three takes on these three guys, and you know, obviously with the uh, two day talking period opening up now, and you know, it still gives you the right to. Uh, to try to re-sign some of your own guys before Penn can go to paper on Wednesday. And that's the day where things can get dangerous. <laughs> yeah, well, let's review that as we really deep, take a deep dive into the show. You're talking about 4 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday is when deals officially can be signed. Now teams can speak with unrestricted free agents. They can speak with their representatives. We have a few deals that have been rumored that are going to be finalized come Wednesday Clearly, yesterday, you had Jalen Ramsey traded mm -hmm. from the Rams to the Dolphins' third-round pick, as well as tight end Hunter Long. 
going to L.A. in return for Ramsey. So now Vic Fangio, who is the new Dolphins defensive coordinator, is going to have Ramsey and Xavier Howard on opposite ends at cornerback, and those are two opportunistic players. So that's not necessarily a bad situation for the new D.C. And then this morning it was reported that tight end Jonu Smith from New England is going to be traded to the Atlanta Falcons. And mm-hmm. Jonu, to me, is an example as we monitor what's going on in the league, and this is a lesson for the Giants as well. The Patriots, Paul, they went out, they signed Jonu Smith in the 2021 offseason. He was one of the two tight ends that they went out and got. Hunter Henry was the other. And Jonu, from a production standpoint, you look at what he did in his final year in Tennessee in 2020, he pretty much surpassed the two years that he was in New England in his final year in Tennessee alone. It just, it didn't come to fruition. So right. the point is, and he got four years, 50 million from New England. That was the initial signing. You don't have to make big splashes for the sake of making big splashes. I'm not saying that the Giants are going to fall into that trap, but this idea that it's important as a reminder around this time of the year, the most active teams it doesn't always translate to W's mm-hmm. when it comes to the football season. And I think we need to always take that into consideration. You could do a lot of the heavy lifting by bringing in complimentary players, by drafting well, as opposed to going for the home run during this time period. Well, they always talk about how the first wave of players, in all honesty, will probably be a little bit overpaid, if not a lot overpaid. And then that second wave is where you're going to find guys who have a more realistic value, or for that matter, even bargains. That's just the way it goes, you know, because there's this quick impetus for so many guys to sign quickly because they want to grab the biggest buck they can get, and the teams want to make sure they get that guy so they overpay. Now, a couple other names of of note, uh, again, unofficial reports, Cameron Jordan, defensive end from the Saints, converted uh, some of his money to restructure so he could stay. NFL Network just reported Alvin Kamara uh, just redid his deal. For the Saints. For the Saints, so that they could get more cap money for the 2023 season. Chris Lindstrom. The guard, I remember him out of Boston College yep. for the for the Falcons, uh, reportedly signing a five-year, $105 million contract. That's that's a nice piece of change right there. Uh, so so these things are, are, are coming and going. And, you know, the bottom line, Lance, is that, you know, if you're a team that really wants to hold on to a guy, you're going to do everything you can in the next 48 hours to scramble and keep him. And a lot of the moves that you're talking about, by the way, is a product of needing to get under the salary cap number by the time Mm -hmm. Wednesday comes along. So it's not just the scramble to sign free agents. It's the scramble to make sure your books are in order because you cannot be over the cap once Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern comes around. So that's the other challenge that a lot of teams are facing. Giants are not necessarily in as precarious a spot as they were at this point last season, which is a positive. I go back to how Joe Shane chuckled during his presser (laughs) on Zoom last week when he was having conversations with the front office and they were saying, oh, this guy's in the $2.5 million range. He was like, oh, we can afford that guy this year. Couldn't do that last year. It's true. That says a lot about, right, how far the team has come along. But that also, I think, is an indication that where they were last year, what they learned from that, Paul, means that they don't want to quickly go back to that scenario right. where he's got to climb out totally. 
Yeah, you you again, you don't want to pay a good player great money because that's how you get into that kind of squeeze. Absolutely. Now, there is one other thing that happened over the course of the weekend that we should mention because it does impact the Giants. Um, we saw that Deron Payne did a big deal with Huge Washington. Deal. Yeah. That makes him the second highest paid defensive tackle in the league, right next to Aaron Donald. Uh, the numbers were four years for 90 mil. 60 guaranteed. And we all know that uh, Joe Shane has already said he started talking to Dexter Lawrence's representatives as Dexter enters the final year of his deal. Remember, he's on that fifth-year option. Uh, they do want to get Dexter Lawrence tied up for the foreseeable future. <laughs> that, that number? <laughs> That's a big number. Well, I'm sure it's a starting point in the conversation. I'm sure. I'm sure Dexter, Dexter Lawrence. And Dexter heard that number. He's I guarantee you. Yeah, and I may be mistaken, but I believe actually the same agent represents Deron Payne and Dexter Lawrence. We could confirm that, but if that is the case, then you know it's absolutely going to be utilized <laughs> as a talking point under those circumstances. I'm glad you brought that up because I did want to get to that on the show. It's interesting to me. Putting money aside, Paul. Of course, we'll leave that to the upper management yes. to handle. There is a very similar trajectory between Dexter Lawrence and Duran Payne with respect to their improvement. Now, Duran is a year ahead of Dexter because he was drafted the year prior. But the point is that Duran had his coming out party this past year. Mm -hmm. He had double-digit sacks, quarterback hits, everything across the board. It was excellent. Skyrocketed. Fantastic Excellent. season. Excellent. And, and of course he has a, that. Of course he has a partner next to him too in Allen. And that makes Absolutely. the two guys yeah. deadly, which quite frankly is what the Giants have with sure. Leonard Williams. It's and, the same and thinking, the same line. You want the pairing together. And that's why I'm bringing that up. So I think that the Giants, I'm sure, are thinking very similarly to what Washington did, and they like how the arrow's pointing up. Dexter actually had his coming out party a year earlier than Duran Payne because Payne was in the fifth and final year of his rookie deal. Dexter is entering the fifth and final year of the rookie deal. And you see when he had talent around him, they have to choose on the offensive line who they want to double, who they want to target. And Dexter was able to take advantage of that. No different than Duran Payne. So I think all things are encouraging for both of these players. But yeah, from a financial standpoint, there's no doubt about it that the Giants are now looking at the Duran Payne contract. Dexter Lawrence is looking at the Duran Payne contract. And we'll see, Paul, whether or not they can get something done before the league year starts or at least at some point this offseason so that, like Daniel Jones, you have another guy on the books and you know how to operate around that contract. Mm -hmm. uh, another name that just fell, according to NFL Network, uh, former Eagles inside linebacker T.J. Edwards going to the Bears, apparently. So that's another guy out of the linebacker mix. I, I have I, I was not a big advocate of T.J. Edwards. Uh, he's got a lot of athleticism. He does get around and has some range, but I didn't like him as much, uh, you know, stuffing the gaps. Not as sturdy stuffing gaps for me. So to be frank with you, I know a lot of people on the Giants message boards were looking uh, for him. I, I didn't think that would have been a great move for them, and, and I know he's probably getting a pretty good buck. See, for me, I know it would be only probably a year or two solution, but I think you could get him at a reasonable price, and this is, comes into that thing about not paying too much. I know Bobby Wagner is considering going back to Seattle, but here's my thought, Lance. 
He's very sturdy, tremendous gap plugger. Yep. Now, he's not a three-down backer anymore, I don't think. Had he's a good a, season with the Rams He last did. Year. He did. But I don't know if he's got enough gas in his tank to be a full-time three-down ta- three backer anymore. But I'd have no problem signing him to a moderate deal and plugging him in on the inside to be an early-down run stopper to help fortify that defense behind Williams and Lawrence. And then the Giants use a ton of sub-package anyway, whether it's the big nickel or the dime. They use a ton of that anyway. And with with the way the teams you know utilize their sub-packages 65 70% of the time, why not think about somebody like a Bobby Wagner who, without question, has been one of the premier run-stuffing interior linebackers in this game for a number of years. I would absolutely think he's a terrific fit. Again, I don't know where he wants to go. They're saying he's talking to Seattle again. Um, I would I would kick the tires on him and see if he's okay with coming in as a part-time player, early down, run-stopping player for a commensurate salary. I just I, I would think he's probably looking for some decent money, even this late in his career. I mean, he is coming off once again a productive year, so I think the market will call for him to be rewarded based on those circumstances. What would and, Seattle, if they bring him back, would they make him a full time player again? I don't know at thirty three years old that he's gonna be able to hold up or to provide the production you need out of that spot as a three down well, player. Paul, I'm bringing, up, is? I'm bringing up his snap count. He played 99% of the snaps last I year. I know, but this is another year down the road. Well, but look at you his. You think he's got it? Absolutely. Why would I doubt that? And here's why. He's played a ton of football. How he much has tired, played, How much treads left? He's played at least 94% of his team's snaps on defense all right. from 13 all the way through the current I'm going to give you an example. Harry Carson's last year with the Giants, he became a rotational Inside linebacker. And we see that with a lot of guys. Because they realize, you know what, if we want to get maximum efficiency and production out of him, we're going to have to start taking him off the field on third down. And And so so Harry was not an every down player anymore in his last year with the Giants. And and, and that's what I'm talking about with Bobby Wagner. I I would like to see Bobby Wagner fit into that role. Harry was also, I'm just looking up as a means of comparison, not that we're saying they're the same player, but Harry was 35 in his final year. Bobby's only 32. Well, he'll so, be 33 by opening day, I believe. Okay, but the bottom line is you had a little bit more wear and tear on Harry Carson's body and more years versus Bobby Wagner. So a little bit different. We're not at that stage, I would say, Maybe with not. Maybe not. Maybe maybe they are. Maybe they're not. I don't know. Anyway, I, I had always thought that I'd be a little more creative and think about that scenario as opposed to going after a TJ Edmonds, uh, Edwards, who in my mind does not stuff gaps well enough. Well, he didn't have a great game in the Super Bowl. I will tell you that. You could say a lot of guys in the second half on the Eagles didn't have great games, but he's durable and he's coming off a rookie deal too. So there's appeal that you're investing in a guy that's still young, that is held up. See, from the Eagles' perspective, remember, they drafted N'Kobe Dean. This, to me, is an indication they want to now give him playing time. They're clearing time for him. So now you're okay, you move on from a guy that you develop, and the Bears have a lot of money to spend, remember? Chicago has a lot of salary cap space. Yes, they do. It's an understandable move from that standpoint. I'm with you. Looking at it through the Giants' lens, that you've got to weigh money 
as well as appeal. And I'm sure okay? he was looking to cash in on this deal. 100%. I mean, like I said, he's coming off a rookie deal. Mm-hmm. I would if I were TJ Edwards, especially linebacker position where you get a lot of snaps, a lot of hits. Don't you want to cash in now, right, within your career? And I think the Giants, they want to address that position, but the price has to be right. And I've said this time and time again. I think I was talking about this with John, and you were just scratching the surface of it again. I am going to invest in an interior linebacker who I have faith is going to stay on the field for three downs, Paul. I'm not interested in a guy who plays the first two downs and I take him off the field, depending on the financial investment. That's what Okay, I was going to say, you're going to have to really pay heavily for that guy. Well, but it's worth it. It's the bang for the buck philosophy is what I'm saying. So you want to go after Tremaine Edmonds? I have no problem taking a flyer on a guy like that who's young. If the well, price that's not a flyer. Out. That price is going to be a legitimate yeah. price. Well, it's you not could go after that. I don't know if that's realistic for the Giants, but there's nothing wrong with having a conversation is what I'm saying. Oh, call him up. Check into it. You for go- sure. To me, it doesn't make sense to go after a guy that plays all three downs. That's not what you're looking for. You don't want a guy like that. I don't. I don't know if they're in the marketplace. If they're, you know, you don't go shopping for a Mercedes Benz if you just want a Ford. No. Well, once again, I don't know if they can afford a Mercedes. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm completely with you there, but that's their also- budget. How, I don't know how Joe. Joe knows he's got X number of bucks in his cap, right? They still are trying to work out some deals. Sure. We know they're trying to redo Leonard Williams with an extension and a redo that's going to lower his number. Okay, we haven't heard beans about that in the last couple of days. So I don't know how he feels or how he wants to allocate his cap space. But I don't think, I don't think, I don't know, but I don't think he's going to want to make that one huge splash on a guy like Edmonds, who I think is a huge splash. I think he's more looking at one kind of kind of big splash and then a lot of little ones. I don't think he's looking for a real big A-lister. I think Edmonds is an A-lister. Yeah, I would put him under that category, but don't you also think that Joe Shane's having conversations with Wink Martindale? I would. And ask oh, I'm sure Wink, he is. Hey, if we bring in a guy like this, how are you using him? That's no doubt. That's the first conversation I'm having. No doubt. I'm not going after any linebacker who I'm investing time and money in until Wink tells me face-to-face, Yep. this is exactly how I plan to utilize him, and I plan to keep him on the field on third downs. If he gives me the green light for that, let's talk. If he doesn't give me the green light for that, then yeah, you go in the complimentary well of free agency, and maybe you get two, three guys who you can mix and match over the course of the season. Not a problem from that standpoint. Veteran names who are also available, and again, depending upon what kind of number they're talking about and how you're going to use them, Levante David's out there. For the Bucs. All right, another 33-year-old guy who has had a very successful NFL career and would qualify, you know, certainly in his prime as an A-lister. I don't know exactly what you would quantify him at now. Is he a little bit less than an A-lister right now? I don't know. I still think he's going to want to get paid like an A-lister, I suspect though. I will he will. Yeah. I suspect he will. Now, would I rather have Edmonds over a David? Absolutely. Tremaine Edmonds is 25 years yeah, old. Well, it's the he's going into his prime. Sure. And I would think he's going to cost you a whole lot more money. But 
Devontae David's probably saying, well, no, he may not cost you a whole lot more money because I want a whole lot of money too. <laughs> so he, he's probably going to try to push that number. But, but Zach Cunningham from the Titans is another guy. All right, he's only 29 years old. But again, I don't know, is he looking for type A money? I don't know that he's a top shelf guy. I think he's a little bit below. Yeah, I would not put. But him he's in gonna that same he's category. gonna want probably top shelf money because of the Darth of quality interior linebackers that are available. Remember, you always tell me all the time, it's timing, it's timing. Well, you're not really gonna have a good time trying to shop for interior linebackers these days because there's not a whole lot of quality out there. You you, you want a Devin Bush? You want you, you want him now? Now that's a guy who I don't think has lived up to his billing when he came out of school. There were some doubts about him being a little erratic, a little overaggressive, a little sloppy with his tackles and his fits. The Steelers obviously didn't get everything they were hoping to get out of him. Now, he's young enough. He's only 25 years old. You know, he's coming off his rookie contract. Might he be more affordable because he did not reach his potential on his rookie deal? Would you be more interested in him? Well, I would be more willing to take a flyer on a guy that is coming off the rookie deal. Okay, but I don't think his price is going to be commensurate with flyer. His price is going to be no, pretty solid. No, but I don't solid. think his price is going to be perhaps in the it won't Edmonds, be an Levante, David even no, category. No, I don't think so, so either. And that's where I think the Giants realistically can target, financially speaking, maybe the tier right below from a financial standpoint. Unless, once again... The conversations that Joe Shane has had in the front office, they're prioritizing this position. You know, I, we don't know where their no, laundry list is. No, we don't. I mean, is ILB atop the list? And they said, hey, the big percentage of our resources this offseason are going there. If that's the case, then, you know, maybe they can get up to tier A. But I think tier B is probably much more realistic. I know, uh, you know, Joe had mentioned, uh, Joe Shane again had mentioned the Giants are going to be looking for interior linebackers and also defensive tackles. Uh, I happen to think uh, Onyemata from the Saints would would be a terrific value sign as a third DT. I'd love to get Dowlin Tomlinson in that spot, but I don't think he views himself as a rotational third guy. In a plan, I think he probably still thinks of himself as one of a starting two. Well, he's still playing at a very good team. level. Well, he's a really good player. Yeah. Now he loved it here, and they, the organization loved him. Is it possible? Is it possible that he does come back and becomes the third member of that rotation? That'd be a hell of a rotation. Think about those three guys. Well, what do we talk about when Spags was the defensive coordinator? Well, and what do we talk about with the Eagles and their rotation? Yeah. Think well, about the Eagles if the Giants on, could do that. The Eagles is on steroids compared to what the Giants had. I would yeah. Argue. No, I get it. I, <laughs> I get had, it. Paul, you had seven and eight guys with Philadelphia. I don't think the Giants went that far. But, yes, your point is well taken. You know, and, they're, and they're losing Hargrave, by the way, in all likelihood. They can't afford to keep him. Well, and they're going to lose plenty of other guys yeah. as well. Cox, I mean, that's just Cox may not be back. Who knows? No, they re-signed Brandon Graham, so he's coming back. I'm assuming they'll keep some of those guys. Not going to lose everybody. But that's why you got to keep drafting players. Or you bring in other veterans on one-year right. deals like they did with Linville Joseph and, and Dominican Sue. So rather than talk about some of these free agents, why don't I ask you, where do you think the Giants will make their biggest one-stop shop splash in free agency? Because they probably can sign one between A and B lister. 
with a good chunk of change. Where do you think it's going to be? If, if, if it's not inside linebacker, which I'm not so sure it will be, where do you think it will be? Well, I think you could add more talent on the defensive line. I think there's room to go there, mm-hmm. specifically versatility. So I would say that would make sense. I would not rule out wide receiver, but I still think you could make inroads in the draft. But if you were to ask me on the offensive side of the ball where a splash could be, I could see them maybe taking a chance on a wide receiver, whether it's a trade scenario. And, you know, I mean, if you trade picks for a guy, that's a splash, depending on who the wide receiver is. I mean, I'm not looking at it just for free agency perspective. So, I mean, I think those to me are the two positions that are practical based on right now the needs of this roster. And last week, John and I discussed things. And again, folks, we're not tampering. We're not trying to throw out names in reality because we're not up on the second floor and we have we have no connection to what it is that they're talking about up there. Okay, we're down here in the studio and we're simply talking about names that are being uh, put out there for free agency, have already been cut, or certainly there are reports that DeAndre Hopkins is available. John and I discussed this. Now that would this. be a trade scenario. We discussed this the other day. If DeAndre Hopkins is being shopped, if I were building the team, I'm not talking about Joe Shane, but if I were building the team, that's where my splash would be. I would make a deal, and I suggested to John I'd give up a third and a fifth to get my hands on DeAndre Hopkins because the contract comes with it. He's got a base of 19. I think he's willing to redo that deal, but that's where my splash would be. Well, that's why I brought up. I said trading picks for a wide receiver. Right. And I think we agree. go out and signing somebody. He's an A-lister. Yeah. Clearly some wear and tear, some injury concern, but based on what they have youth-wise at that position with Isaiah Hodgins, Wondell Robinson, there's absolutely room to entertain a proven veteran like that. And we know Hopkins has an unreal catch range where if you bring him in for a quarterback like Daniel Jones, he's going to be a nice helping hand. But, you know, once again, you got to give up resources. And that gets weighed against where they want to go in the draft this year. We know that they were awarded two compensatory picks based on that announcement that came out a few days ago. So you've got a lot of capital. If you could turn that into a known commodity, Paul, I'm completely for that. I think that move would make a lot of sense, but something tells me if Arizona lets everyone know that he's out on the market, there's plenty of other teams that are going to be interested the in him as well. Are Dallas is interested. Yeah, so you know, it becomes a bit of a bidding war. Well, mm. you're giving me a third and a five. This team is giving you a second and a four. Mm. What are you doing if you're Arizona? I think, it, and I've, I've talked about this over the weekend with a bunch of folks, once it was confirmed the Giants got the extra fifth and the seventh, in the uh, Clawson and Ingram compensatory formulas. They have 11 picks now. I said this to John the other day. I don't think that 11 draft choices can make the Giants roster. The Giants are now a good team. They have, they have come out of the quicksand to the point where I don't think all 11 picks are guys that you take with the, author- with the uh, assertiveness of we're picking guys who we really think can improve our club and make it. I think 11 is too many. So if I'm Joe Shane, I'm not hesitating to make deals, either to move up in certain spots, to trade picks away, to acquire a veteran who's already under contract, or for that matter, trading picks into next year's draft. I'd be okay with that too. I just don't think 
making those 11 picks, even though most of them are on the back end of the day three of the draft, I just don't think that making 11 picks does a whole lot for this team based on where they are right now. Well, when was the last time you saw 11 rookies make a team? I mean, that's, well, that's the asking a lot. question. It's like asking a lot. Well, look at- now, what happens invariably, a couple of guys are going to get hurt, sure, and they'll wind up on IR, and they get redshirted for a year, and you'll wind up sticking a couple of the guys probably on the practice squad. Yep. You know, your lower-level guys who, if you drafted them in the sixth or seventh round anyway, chances are teams aren't going to try to poach him when you sneak them onto the practice squad. So you could do that. But, again, my point stands. I mean, they have two threes. And they have two fives. Well, that, let, you know, th- those picks hold some clout now. Yeah. Last year they had two threes and three fives. Mm-hmm. And they also drafted 11 guys. And a few guys got hurt before the season started. So they didn't have to worry about how do we manage a lot. I think they believed at that point in time the roster needed a significant shuffling. And so they were very happy to draft 11 guys who they had some confidence in coming out. So I was fine drafting 11 guys last year. I don't know that it makes sense to do it now. No, I'm completely with you. I I think you can have the flexibility to move up. You can move resources towards the following season. Remember, keep in mind, once you get to the sixth and the seventh round, you're taking some flyers. No doubt. As it is anyway. No doubt. So you've got to at least be realistic to say, yeah, they're developmental players, but are they really going to come in year one and make us a giving an impact and also beat out some of our established players to get realistic playing time? That's the other question you have. And I think they feel good about last year's draft class, some of the guys that got hurt returning. And that's the other way to look at it, Paul. You have 11 picks, but you didn't get full production out of your 11 last year. So some of the guys that were drafted in 2022 really get moved over to the 2023 class. For example, Darian Beavers. He's part of the 2023 class. Right. Marcus McKeithen, 2023. No doubt. So And, and kind of Wondell Robinson, too. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that, too. So you pick they, 11 they, guys, you got 14 picks. Right. So you're with me. Yeah. The math doesn't work out. No. So look to make some moves with those picks. Let's see what you could do. Now, see, you wouldn't make the argument. There's a number of people who cover the team that would make the argument the reason why you trade picks Mm. is to avoid, and we'll get to that in a second. Big name. Yes, there is some other news coming away. It's going to happen all throughout the show. So I know. Yes. Well, that's why we're on for 90 minutes. Well, true, but I want to finish my thoughts <laughs> on this topic before we move along. Yes, there was some planning involved, apparently, in this program. Who knew? But the Giants' thinking with respect to their young guys is you've got to figure that the surface was scratched for some of the players that got hurt, who the coaches were already game-planning to throw out there. Right. That's number one. And that if you feel good about how their rehab is going, I think that gives you even more confidence that maybe you don't have to utilize the other picks. But what I was also going to get to, there are some people that would argue you trade the picks so that you shorten the time that we have to wait for the Giants to make picks on draft. <laughs> That's why there's incentive to get rid of those seventh rounders. Wrap it up. Wrap up shop. Let's move on. It's all about the logistics. Right? It's all about people that cover the team. There more so go. than any other aspect. See, it's the selfish component. All right, so let's the get NFL to these season. two yes. items. So, Jason Kelsey is going to remain with the Eagles. So that, says NFL Network. Yes. So, that, I think part of that was expected. You figure he lost the Super Bowl. 
there's going to be some motivation for him to come back. No doubt. He wins a Super Bowl. Something tells me he's hanging up the cleats. I think that changes his philosophy. Well, not that I wanted the Eagles to win the Super Bowl because I was clearly rooting for Kansas City, but I'd have just assumed seeing Kelsey disappear. <laughs> well, the guy's still playing at a very he's high really level. He's really good. Yeah. So Philadelphia within player, the division, right? You no agree? doubt about it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I don't even think it's a question okay. at this point. <laughs> I mean, the guy, he's held up. He has helped that team get to two Super Bowls. He's They've been a consistent player. winner. Just yeah, a terrific Something player. tells me that's a big reflection of his play. Then the other news is the Ravens, also according to NFL Network, going to part ways with Calais Campbell, who is a veteran defensive lineman who obviously has ties to Wink Martindale. Now, I was just talking about adding a complimentary piece to the defensive line. Campbell's very attractive to fit that bill. And he's up there in age, but we're not asking him, I think if you're Wink Martindale, to come in and play 90-some-odd percent of the snaps Correct. at this stage in his career. Correct. So he, to me, is a practical guy. You go to Calais Campbell, who also could play inside-outside, mm -hmm. and I like guys with versatility. I think that's a player that, if I'm Joe Shane... I'm getting a full report from Wink, and I'm asking him, if we pursue him and we don't have to break open the piggy bank, which I don't think they will, how do you intend him fitting in with this group? He's a very logical target. From an intangibles perspective, he fits into the uh, Jihad Ward. Exactly. Perspective. Yep. Right? 100%. And I'm just looking here at his snap count just because I'm trying to figure out where his frame of mind might be. Uh, the last three years, since uh, 2020, uh, with Baltimore, when he came back to the Ravens, 51%, 64%, 62%. So his snap counts have significantly dropped uh, since the days when he was a full-time yeah. player in Arizona Well, but that would be the ballpark, Paul. I think what you'd be looking to play him here, mm -hmm. no? Mm -hmm. I don't think you're looking for 80% of the now, snaps. Now, here, here, here's the issue, though. Now, if you were to bring him in, at this point in time, I'm not sure how much of a run stopper he is at this point in his career. At at early stages of his career, when he was with the Cardinals for sure, and he was in his prime, he was an outstanding defensive lineman who could get after the quarterback, supply pressure, get sacks, get hits, but he also played the run pretty darn well too. And as you said, played defensive tackle as well as out on the edge. At this stage of his career, I'm not sure that he's anything more than a situational pass rusher as opposed to that third member of a defensive tackle rotation, which is what I think the Giants want. And that's my exact thinking. Plus, let's be realistic. We're talking about a guy that has logged 15 years in the NFL. So, I mean, he's going to be, what, 37? He's 36 last season. I'm assuming yeah. he'll either turn 37 at some point during the course of the season or he'll come right at the tail end. That's what you're going to get out of a player at this stage in his career. I don't know. I mean, maybe Calais Campbell also is contemplating retirement, given the fact that he, he might be that long. That may be something else that you have to talk to him. But if he wants one more go-around, he knows the defensive coordinator here. Clearly, Wink Martindale brought in a lot of his former Baltimore players. He'd fall in line with giving a guy another opportunity to get through the grind of an NFL season, not ripping him to shreds in terms of playing time, having a logical conversation with him. Hey, this is how we want to use you. We understand you got X amount left in the tank. I think money range, it's not asking for an overwhelming 
price tag that you have to meet. To me, it meets all the criteria of perhaps what the Giants' focal point is. This well, with all the years he's had in the league, he has a healthy bank account, number one. Yep. And number two, he made $3.5 million against the cap this past year with the Ravens. So you will not be breaking the bank for him. Again, I just don't know if he fits that specific hole that the Giants are trying to fill right now. I probably would rather have an Onyemata. Well, because you have a younger option. Young, a younger like option yeah. and more of a run-plugger. In, in, in the interior than a guy like Campbell, who I just think at this point, at best, he's a situational pass rusher. That's, that's, that's what I would think. I just would say there's a role and a place for somebody like that on this team. That's my point. I don't think that you're sacrificing other players and other voids to bring him in. He could also be a guy, by the way, Paul... One of those guys, you know, doesn't want to be with a team during the spring and waits till the oh, he could. training camp, right? He could. He could be one of those you, you guys. Think he wants to go through the hot <laughs> days of August. So you bring him in. <laughs> you bring him in at the end of July or something like that. And It's worth keeping an eye out. on him if only because of Wink's familiarity with him. Exactly. We know that Wink really, really, really uh, loves Jihad Ward, and I think that Campbell does fit a similar criteria. So I, I would not be shocked if it happens because you're talking about a guy uh, who has obviously had success uh, in in that system. One other item that I wanted to get to. And a to, great guy, by the way. Calais Campbell is oh, universally loved in the league. Well, he won the Walter Payton Award. He's a pro's pro. Yeah. Pro's so, pro. I don't think anybody would have a question about his Smart, character. tough, dependable. Yeah, <laughs> definitely fits that criteria. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. The Ravens actually, they released a statement from GM Eric DaCosta on Calais Campbell. And I don't know, maybe this is me reading too much into it, but I wonder if this is more leaning towards retirement because, you know, they sort of sum up his career, Hall of Fame worthy career. Oh, okay. You read into it. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe. they had a conversation. It's worth at least exploring. Mm -hmm. Nothing more than that with respect to the ins and outs of that conversation. This also coming from ESPN's Adam Schefter. Austin Eckler, running back for the Chargers, yeah. is requesting permission to speak with other teams about a potential trade after preliminary talks with the team aimed at a contract extension did not progress. Mm. Now, Eckler is due just over $6 million this coming season, and that is what is scheduled to be his last year on the deal. Eckler, of course, an extremely versatile weapon when it comes no to question. the offensive skill set position because he's more than just a running back. I mean, he's been one of their top wide receivers mm -hmm. with respect to their game plan. Got over 100 passes last yeah. year. Now, I'm not saying that this is a player that the Giants would go after per se, but trade market for running backs, not overwhelming these days given they're worried about the injury concern, but the fact that Eckler is a weapon... Mm -hmm. You could say, you know, teams who don't feel like the draft is attractive and you see what a guy like Saquon and Christian McCaffrey can do as part of your passing attack. The Chargers, they may get some feelers if they can't work out a deal here. It's not I crazy. Think, I think they probably would still like to keep him if they could. Well, if I'm the Chargers, if I'm Tom Telesco. You, you don't think Justin Herbert is, is saying to himself, uh-oh, uh no, 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 don't go. <laughs> Please don't go. <laughs> no. I mean, they already reworked Keenan Allen's deal yeah. to get him to and stay. And Mike Williams as well. And Both Williams too, yeah. yeah. 
So I'm I'm thinking they want to keep this core together to to try to to make some hay. I don't think they're going to be too anxious to get rid of him. I just you wonder. Well, here's a situation where the player is asking for permission. It's not as if the team awarded him permission. Right. I want to clarify that. That's where we're at right now. So the point is, just piggybacking off of what you just said, Paul, Eckler may want to talk. The Chargers <laughs> yeah. don't have to give him permission to talk. Correct. They right? do not. They could turn around and say, Austin, mm. we're just going to have to continue to negotiate and try to right. hammer out a deal, or you're going to play out the final year of your contract. So they don't have to get to that degree. Just something to obviously keep in mind with respect to that. All right. few reminders before we start to open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513. You can check out the Giants Huddle podcast. It is on your favorite podcast platform, or you can listen on the Giants app, as well as Giants.com slash podcast. In addition to that, since we are gearing up for the start of the new league year, only appropriate to tell Giants fans that you can take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. Also, Giants TV, it's the official connected TV streaming app. It brings you original video content, game highlights on demand, and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV is free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. All right, let's open up those phone lines. Ben is in Florham Park. He joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Ben, what do you got for us? Hey, uh, good afternoon, guys. Uh, Hi. Same Uh, to you. I want, wanted to see what, what your thoughts are on, as we get more and more data on in the free agent market, do you think that it, it will affect the way the Giants look at their, their internal free agents? In case in point, Robert Woods, two years, $15 million, $10 million guaranteed. I don't necessarily like him more or less than, than Slayton uh, internally. Maybe a little better Richie James. But, like, if you see a contract like that, you wonder what, like, a DJ Chark or – or, uh, you know, someone like Juju or Jacoby Myers are going to get. Do you think that we look at that first real signing and say, you know what, maybe we'll circle back to Slayton, see see if he's interested in like $3 million a year, or maybe you go back to Richie James and, and you know, I, I know that they want to possibly move on, but outside of the draft, like where are you going to add at a reasonable pace? W- wonder what your thoughts are. Well, I – think that that's a realistic game plan that you threw out, Ben. I don't think the Giants are in a position to make huge splashes at wide receiver. I also think if you read between the lines of what Joe Shane said, that the draft is an approach that I think they're thinking about. Could they do a trade that Paul and I were talking about? I think if you want to upgrade the wide receiver core based on the names you threw out there, I think you're better off trading for a proven commodity than signing a proven commodity. DJ Shark does intrigue me, and John and I brought him up on a previous show, so I'd be willing to spend a little bit of money on him because I think he's young enough, injuries aside. Those other players you threw out, I think they're going to get more money than Robert Woods because they're younger. You know, Robert Woods is a veteran. He's been in the league for quite some time. You have to take that into consideration, but you could have a conversation, to your point, with Darius Slayton and Richie James, and you could say, guys, we're interested in perhaps bringing you back Test the market, have your agent speak with other teams, maybe bring back some of those offers to us because we're still very much interested, but we're going to see how the market plays out. Those conversations, Paul, could absolutely take they place, and I think lot. they're practical. They happen a lot. Yeah. Now, I, I'm, I'm on record, board. I know that you guys... <clears throat> 
Go ahead. Oh, I, I, I mentioned Shark with John last week as a guy who got yeah. a one-year $10 million deal with the Lions last year. Now, he's a former 1,000-yard receiver. He's big and tall. He's got speed. He has produced, he's, yeah. he's produced in this league before, and things just didn't work out with the Lions, but look who their quarterback is. Goff is not exactly a big play, long-range bomber. So I, I think that Shark, to me, there's a little bit of a risk because he has had some injury. And, and he hasn't lived up to his full potential based on some of the flashes he showed earlier in his career. But that would be a guy I'd want to make a phone call to. I would at least explore. So I'm with Lance on this one. Yeah, but you guys have advocated for D-Hop. And he's, so that goes against some of the other things you said. I mean, he's older, injury-prone, and he's going to blow up our salary cap. You guys, I'm, I'm surprised. Listen, I'd love to get him in, in a vacuum, but I, I don't understand why you guys are, have, have been kind of like... Well, I mean, Paul has been much higher on him than I have, just for clarification, but I'm a big believer that if your option is overspending on a free agent versus taking a chance with a guy like Hopkins and giving up a pick or two, I think that, to me, is the right move as opposed to just spending for the sake of spending because you want to infuse more talent into the receiving core. Because when Hopkins is healthy, the guy's a playmaker regardless of where he is age-wise, you know what you're getting out of him. Some of these other guys, you don't know with a new environment and a new fit. And while the current front office didn't make the Kenny Galladay move, Joe Shane has said on the record, investing in guys internally makes a lot more sense because you're operating with more intel. You're not playing as much of a guessing game in comparison to potential free agents. Okay, thanks for your time, guys. Yeah, you got it. Appreciate the phone call. All right, so um, hamstring issues uh, and an MCL in the 2021 season derailed Hopkins' durability string because up until that point, he had been extremely durable. Well, the previous year. Now, did you? are you talking about, you're talking about 2022. You're just going over. No, I'm talking about 21. Okay, I didn't know which season you were talking about. In yeah. 21. Yeah, the tail end of 21, I'm he going, was out. I'm going back to his injury, injury history. Yeah. And up, up until 21, he was fine. Extremely durable. And one of the top three receivers in the National Football League for several years. He's an A-lister. He's an alpha. That's why I'm so hot to get him. Uh, in 21, yes, he had the hamstring. He had a uh, torn MCL. Uh, that was a, that was an issue last year. Remember, he missed half a game, half a, a dozen games yeah. because of the PED thing. Yep. When they found traces of of some substance, and 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 he wound up uh, having to to lose a chunk of his season. So to me, to me, uh, you know, I know at the end of the year. Cardinals weren't doing a whole lot, and he missed a couple games at the end of the year with a well, sore the quarterback day. situation was right. A mess. It was a mess. Yeah, some of that I think a lot of people also thought was a contract thing. Him not being happy, the quarterback situation was a mess. The team was on the decline. You got to wonder also if Hopkins' knee was a little more sore because he was just looking to conserve himself for the off season, hoping that he was going to get himself into a better spot. So I'm not looking at that so much. To me, when you look at his durability, he's had durability over most of his career outside of the 2021 season when, you know, he missed almost a third of the season. Okay, I yes, that's true. But to say he's had injury problems or has a significant injury history, I would totally disagree with that statement. Yeah, that's I, inaccurate. It's just a matter of if you're the Giants, though, you're looking more at what's happened over the last two years because when you acquire a guy or you sign a guy, it's what is he going to give me, not what mm-hmm. he's already done. 
You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I'm with you. It's no different than us talking about Hopkins reminds me of conversations we had about Olivier Vernon. When Vernon arrived to the Giants, Paul, he never missed a game. Right. Well, when Leonard came- Williams. Yeah. Leonard Williams, as durable as could be. And then this past season, right? It happened. And Williams was a trade similar to what Hopkins would be. But Vernon, it was like, well, where did this come from? You have all the data. It's encouraging, right? You're going to get a lot of gas in that tank. And then, unfortunately, he ran into some injuries. So I wouldn't label Olivier Vernon injury prone. He just, unfortunately. So you agree with me. I would not label Hopkins injury prone. No, but once again, what I'm getting at is the difference between Vernon and Hopkins is Vernon, you had no red flags. There was nothing to indicate. Right. Hopkins, there's something to talk about. There's something well, to digest. Well, you'd have to check the medicals. No, yeah. no question. You, you, with any of these players, if yeah. the medical folks don't check off on him, then you don't do it. I mean, that's obvious. I'm, I'm not telling you any secrets. But, you know, I will say this, though. Nine games, 64 catches, and 717 yards. Guess what? That extrapolates to well over a thousand yards for the season, without a doubt. Okay, yeah. so he still got it. He is still an alpha receiver. Well, he's an aggressive receiver, meaning he's going to go out and help your quarterback. And what is the one thing that the Giants were lacking last season? They were lacking explosive plays in the passing game. Hopkins gives you explosive plays in the passing game, and he's the type of guy. How many times did we have conversations and we field questions from callers about the 50-50 balls, right? Kenny Galladay, throw it up to him. He's just going to get it, right? How many times did we hear that statement? Okay. Galladay was supposed to be the next Plexico Burris, and it didn't work out. Well, we're going to have similar conversations surrounding Hopkins. No if doubt. we're going down this hypothetical no road. Because well, he's the kind the of guy point. who the 50-50 balls are 90-10. Yeah. Okay, because it's his. And that's exactly where I was getting. Yeah, I think you feel really good about his radius, number one, but number two, the level of execution to his radius. He has some like vice grips for hands. Uh, tremendous. Ridiculous. Yeah. And the acrobatics. Yes. Where he could go up. Absolutely. His box is huge. He makes the challenging catches look very easy. So all of those things make him attractive. And that's why the caller was listing a lot of the free agent wide receivers, and we've gone over that class on this program I don't see a whole lot of difference makers. DJ Shark does intrigue me, but some of the other players, I think they're complementary weapons, not necessarily A-listers, as you use that phrase, Paul, where mm-hmm. you bring them in and you know, you're expecting him to be a true number one. So if door one, which is free agency, doesn't have the bang for the buck philosophy, then use trade aspects to maybe get that number one guy. Well, I think other, that's more logical. The other thing I'm looking at, too, is that Hopkins, who's only 30, by the way, if a team makes a deal for him, they're not going to get destroyed on their cap because that number's not outrageous for an alpha receiver. Okay? And he's not over the hill, obviously, by his production last year. Uh, that's not the case whatsoever. So you're getting a moderately priced receiver who still has a lot of tread left on his tire and is an alpha. He's a true headache player. And you put him on the field with a quarterback who can throw it and a running back who is a true headache player as well. Now you've really got something. You're going to cause defensive coordinators a lot of trouble on Monday night when they're preparing for your football team. And, you know, I've heard other people say, well, 
if the San Francisco 49ers were to put Brandon Ayuk on the market, which a lot of folks seem to think that they might do, and I'm not so sure that they will, uh, would you would you be interested in him? Yeah. I think I think he's a guy you would absolutely want to consider. But I also think because he's going into the last year of his contract, right, you're going to have to really pony up some big-time cash if you're going to keep him over the long term because he's a lot younger and he's going into his prime. So for me, that's not as attractive if I'm a trade partner. I'd rather go after Hopkins. The existing contract. The existing Which contract. Which you may have to rework out anyway. Well, you, you might. Mind. You might. Yeah. And, you, and you might juggle it to lower your cap with him too. Yeah. But but I think he is a better value, more affordable, and for me, I I would just rather go there if I were a potential trade partner looking for those two guys available on the shelf. See, I look at what you're talking about, and I'm not saying that he's Brandon Ayuk. I would probably have him a little bit higher based on his track record, but the Eagles went out, they acquired A.J. Brown, they gave up picks, and then they had to give him a new contract, and that's what you're getting at. That scenario, you're giving up Two aspects. Right. Giving up draft resources, and then you know you have to give him a fresh deal. Brandon Ayuk would be very similar to that. That is appealing to me, though, Paul, because you're making a long-term investment. You're bringing in a guy who's just scratching the surface of his prime, and you're figuring he and the quarterback will build that rapport moving forward. So that is appealing to me. The difference is, though— Not as much as Hopkins for me. I'm not saying I wouldn't investigate it. But I just I wonder about the expense, the overall expense of the assets plus the cash. Yeah, that makes me a little less wanting to do that deal. Well, but if once I were again, in the no, and I get that. And you always have to weigh money. It goes without saying with all of these potential moves. But what I'm getting at is you're bringing in a younger wide receiver that's going to grow with the quarterback, whereas Hopkins. You don't know how long a guy like that could be with the team. It could be more of a short-term vision to help uplift the offense. And depending on how he holds up or where he's at, I know he's only 30, but he's still been in the league for quite some time. The younger guy who's in his mid-20s, low-20s, I don't think it's as much of a guessing game in terms of what you're going to get with him moving forward. I would say this. If your medical's checked out, if you were a trading partner with the Cardinals and your medical's checked out on Hopkins— I would suggest that what you would probably look for to make that make a deal worth it to you, you'd want to know from your medical guys, do you think where he's at right now with all of his medicals and his GPS numbers and his physical capabilities and his tools and his flexibility and everything else and his repair on the knee and everything, if you tell me I can get two outstanding years and maybe a third good year out of him, that would be enough for me to want to pursue it. I don't need the youth of Ayuk because where the Giants are right now, this to me is a two- to three-year really good window for this team that if they make the right moves, they're a contending team for the next two to three years because that's what you've basically done with your contract with Jones before you're going to have to revisit him, yep. and that's probably what you're going to wind up doing with Saquon Barkley. So... If I knew that I had Jones, Barkley, and a receiver such as a Hopkins in the fold and could count on them for the next two to three years to be headache players, I am extremely happy with that. I I don't need to necessarily look four or five years down the road for a younger player. And I wasn't necessarily going that far. I'm just saying that there's less risk is what I was getting into 
with respect to a younger wide receiver, whereas Hopkins, we mentioned some of the injuries he's dealt with in recent history. Even in a two- to three-year window, you still don't know necessarily that that guy's going to hold up over the course of the entire window. I think somebody else, there's less concern. So that's the difference between weighing both Mm -hmm. of them. But yeah, the two- to three-window mindset, he fits that bill based on the other personnel and the other contracts that you just structured, specifically with Daniel Jones. Let's head back to the phone lines. Anthony's in New Jersey joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Anthony? What do you got for us? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hi. Um, I, I, I think you guys were, were dead on early. Were we talking about uh, Giants don't need 11 players out of this draft? Um, and when I... When I, I mean, we never know how the draft is going to fall, obviously. But looking at it, it seems like where the Giants pick, we're kind of like in no man's land in terms of like value for need. And so, I really think they should try to move up in both the first and the second rounds um, to try to get maybe one of those top four corners or a, a receiver that they really like. Um, I, I would love for them to move up and get like a Banks and a Campbell in the second round. That would be ideal. But I have another curveball scenario for you guys that I've really been thinking about. Um, if if you can't get good value trades to move up in the first round, and you're sitting there at 25, and there's a Bijan Robinson sitting there, why wouldn't the Giants pick him, trade Barkley? and use the Barkley money that you would pay him in salary to go get that receiver that is not in this draft. I mean, maybe Quentin Johnson could beat that, but I think it's a risk as a first-round pick. You know, uh, the potential is there, but you never know. Um, Well, first of all, with, with your scenario, Anthony, I think that late in the game in free agency highly unlikely a team is going to be interested in acquiring a Saquon Barkley because if it's around the draft, they could just draft a running back. So I don't see the appeal of a team taking on a running back that late into the offseason. That's number one. So if you're not going to be able to move him to a potential suitor, his value is not nearly as high at that point as Mm -hmm. it would be maybe at the beginning of the league year where maybe a team does want to contemplate that. Then you add on top, of course, the Giants I don't think are interested in moving him, and I know you're presenting a hypothetical, but the timing in which you're setting that up I don't think holds for a very strong market for your running back. No, it's not very practical. Yeah. But maybe the value for the Giants is not really in what they would get back, but the cap savings in being able to sign a a Hopkins. Yeah, but once again, I think you've got to look at the timing. I don't see, and Paul, maybe you feel differently, if DeAndre Hopkins gets moved, he's not getting moved to me that late. I would think maybe something would happen a little bit Agreed. earlier in the offseason. Agreed. So, you know, that's what I'm getting at, Anthony. Yeah. You're thinking yeah. more, I mean, the draft is late April. We're talking about yeah. on the pinnacle of May. See, the, the problem with this is that you can't play fantasy football in the reality of the NFL. And there are yeah. certain realities of the business of the league that you must take into account. It's not as easy as playing fantasy football. It's just not. Yeah. I'll, I'll, one last point, and then I'll go. In regards to the receiver situation, I'm not really that concerned because I trust in the coaching staff's ability to scheme up guys that might not be a traditional, you know, 
guys that fans would look like as a number one, you know, at least for now. And I also trust in DJ's ability to uh, get them the ball. And uh, leave it at that. All right, Anthony, oh, Joe Shane has call. expressed in, in, in uh, very quick terms a very similar statement that he does not necessarily believe the Giants need to go out and get a big splash receiver because Brian Dable has very often operated with lesser-known guys and found ways to make them very important parts of the offense, like a Cole Beasley type, if you will, like a Gabriel Davis, if you will. Those are the kinds of guys he's operated with before and has had success. Uh, By the way, Onyemata, apparently, according to NFL Network, has agreed to a deal with the Atlanta Falcons. So he has come off the board very, very quickly, and I'm not surprised because I I think he's a good value for a team that needs some help uh, at the defensive tackle spot. They also know him very well in that division. Yes, they do. Having seen him two times a year. So that's actually, that's the double whammy Oh wow! for Atlanta. Ian and- Rappaport says Jared Stidham signing a two-year deal with the Broncos. Uh, so uh, he goes out there to back up uh, Russell Wilson. And gets to work with Sean Payton, which means that now the Raiders really need a quarterback because they don't have Derek Carr yeah. or Jarrett Stidham. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo may be the bridge before. <laughs> it's looking more and more well, like that. Well, he does know Josh you? McDaniels. He's going to cross the bridge is what he's going to do. There we go. The Look at that. He's going <laughs> to stay then, in the and, Bay Area and cross the Golden Gate Bridge. And then, and then take a little flight to Vegas. That's right. Well, because they're not in Oakland anymore. So he'll go to their old home stadium. Yes. They'll pick him up there. They'll take him to the airport. Correct. And that'll go to Vegas. Oakland Alameda Coliseum. Yes. Yes. Which has its own fair share of issues, but (laughs) we'll save that for another program at a different time. But yeah, David Anyamata, what I was saying is it's a double whammy because not only do you help your cause, but you take him away from a division rival. So I would think that there was maybe some logic behind that, but uh, that is a good addition for the Falcons because the Falcons also had their fair share of issues in lacking a bit of a pass rush and a beefy defensive front. You could argue last time they had a consistent weapon up there was John Abraham, and that was quite some time. I'm talking about the Mm -hmm. former New York Jet. With respect to what you were saying, I was referencing Joe Shane's press conference on the Zoom last week where, yeah, he did echo those sentiments a lot where he says the narrative surrounding the Giants is they need to make a huge splash. He doesn't necessarily feel that way. And the caller was referencing, look at what they did with Isaiah Hodgins. And look at what the coaching staff did overall in developing a lot of the personnel. I agree wholeheartedly with that statement. That is extremely encouraging that you feel good that you continue to bring in talent no matter what aspect it is, whether it be through the draft, free agency, big names, minor names, that you have a staff in place that's going to maximize the talent. I think they proved that last year. But with that being said, Paul, there still was a lack of explosiveness on offense despite their ability to develop the talent. And I think Joe Shane and Brian Dable and Mike Kafka they're keeping that in the back of their mind. And in order to get that explosiveness or the headache players that you talk about, that does require a little bit more than just developing a guy and taking a flyer on a guy. I concur. That's why I would advocate going out to get one. No, and I completely understand. That's why you were talking about the Andre Hopkins and we're talking about trading for a guy as opposed to just settling for somebody in free agency and spending money for the sake of spending money. By the way, NFL Network is reporting Onyemata is getting uh, $35 million over three years. 
that's a pretty stiff price tag. Now, again, I liked him. I thought I thought he'd be a, a good help for a lot of teams, and I thought he would have fit the Giants' needs very well. But that's a little bit higher than than I would have thought he would have gotten. Which just goes to show you that the market for a quality defensive tackle is going to cost you a pretty penny. Well, remember, just look at the Giants in-house here. Linvo Joseph and then Dalvin Tomlinson, mm-hmm. coincidentally going to the same team, the Minnesota Vikings. But we had been talking about leading into free agency. If a team is willing to invest in a guy like that when it comes to stopping the run and maybe gives you a little bit of a pass rush, there's value, Paul, for that in today's NFL still. It's funny how over the course of time, different positions have kind of moved up to the forefront, kind of like the rabbit and the hare. You know, there are certain times, uh, the rabbit and the turtle, I mean, uh, where at certain times the tortoise and the hare, they surge ahead into certain parts of the race, you know. And for the longest time, it was always the quarterback, the wide receiver, the cover guy, and the pass rusher. All right, you know, those were your four spots. Well, right now in the National Football League, there is a tremendous amount of attention being paid to your highest level defensive tackles, to your highest level centers even. Uh, Your highest level tight ends are suddenly becoming now a very rich uh, bunch of guys. And even over the last couple of years, as teams have found versatility in specific safeties, your safeties yeah. are now starting to get who a may nice play push. in the slot, for example. Exactly. So, you know, before you know it, only the only the only the the long snappers will be the guys <laughs> who are in the uh, economically friendly market because every other position is going to blow up. And remember, to each their own. It depends on how you're going to utilize the player. But I think there's been examples to your point that. It's not just the core four or the big not four anymore. when it comes to positions. Not anymore. Especially since, Paul, there's so much more versatility within scheme. I think mm-hmm. that's the reason why you have coordinators, especially on defense, that they'll move around guys and they'll tell their GMs, sure, sign the guy. I'll find ways to keep him on the field yeah. <laughs> and put him everywhere if need be. Yes. So I think that also changes the mindset of the level of investment in a specific position, and in a specific player. Let's head back to the line. Scott is in New Mexico joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Scott? What do you got for us? Good afternoon, guys. Same to you. Uh, Questions for you. I have two about two of the uh, draft choices I wanted to ask you about. But one thing I'm a little upset about is that we seem to be giving up on Darius Slayton, and I don't know why. I believe the Giants are about to sign a contract with Sterling Shepard. I don't know if it's been finalized yet for one year. Nothing has been finalized. Anything you're hearing or seeing out there, there has been no team confirmation whatsoever. Okay. Yeah. Right, but that's, that's the rumor uh, that I heard. But in regards to Darius Slayton, I think he's just getting a bad rap. I know, Paul, you're, you're correct in saying he's... Uh, had drops, but the Giants led the league, I believe, uh, per pass. Uh, They were first in drops, Mm team-wise. But I don't know if anyone realizes that Darius Slayton is the only uh, 23 free agent wide receiver under 30 who ranks inside the top five in all major receiving categories. I'm aware of that. I'm a big Darius Slayton fan. I've always been a Darius so Slayton it's, fan. It seems like we're giving up on a guy who's really actually pretty good, 
and we signed a quarterback who two years ago we didn't even know would be a giant for 160 million who's going to turn out to be a great quarterback so isn't the thing with Darius Slayton something correctable and he is a viable wide receiver who can take uh, you know defenses deep and I don't understand why we're not talking about him a little bit more in regards to the Giants. That's right. my first I, question. I had Slayton down for uh, six drops this year, according to my tape grades. Barkley right. had seven, which led the team. Giants had 40 drops as a team. Right. All right, Slayton then had three drops in the playoff game against Minnesota. Right, which I saw. All right, now here's the problem, all right? I know that, that, that there are some coaches, and the Giants happen to have a coach in the GM who very, very, very much uh, get get bent out of shape on drops. Some coaches are more sticklers about drops than others are. This particular staff really detests drops. So I think Darius Slayton's inconsistencies there, despite all of the numbers that he produces when he does catch the ball, do make them yearn to try to upgrade if possible. Now, again, I personally am a Slayton fan. I will also tell you that my tolerance for drops, I've always looked at this on the whole and over the last 20 years. For me, the percentage of drops should not be more than six out of 100 catches. If you catch 100 and you have six drops, that's 6% in terms of the ratio. That, to me, is right about where I would draw the line for what I would accept from a wide receiver. Okay, Slayton had 46 catches last year. Right. With six drops. That's not a good ratio. Right, but he also had 700 yards in receiving yardage also. I, I get so, that, but we're not talking about his production. I've already told you his production right. numbers-wise are good. His average yards per catch over his career, he has consistently been amongst the top five, certainly top ten wide receivers in football. No one, said, no right? one is going to dispute his ability to deal with the deep ball. But... When you look at his drop ratio, unfortunately, okay, he's never caught more than 50 balls in a game. And he's in had a season, in a season, yeah. in a season. And he's had a half a dozen drops or more in three out of his four years in the league. That ratio is not good. And again, you're talking to somebody who likes this guy. I'm a right. Slayton fan. But even I have to admit, the inconsistencies out of his hands. Well, it makes you want to try to upgrade. Now, if they bring him back, I'd be really happy to see it. But I'd also like to see an alpha wide receiver in that room. And, okay. and he's not the alpha. And once again, Scott, it may depend on how the market plays out. I was talking Correct. about this earlier when we had a previous caller. I don't know how long you've been tuning in. But the bottom line is they may go to Darius and his agent and say, hey, we have interest in bringing you back. If you want to test the market, go out, see what's out there, and then we can – reconvene and see whether or not our numbers are in your ballpark and whether or not he is receiving the interest that he had anticipated. So, I mean, I know you're not hearing a lot of buzz now, but that doesn't mean that he's absolutely out of the game plan with respect okay. to the team. All right. I had him for 11 drops in 2020 and 11 drops in 2021. Right. And I just told well, you he's never caught more than 50 passes in a season. Right. And I was... that's, a, that's not a good ratio. I'm not disagreeing with you, but by the same token, we talked about a quarterback who dropped, you know, had drops and interceptions, and now he's no, not interceptions. In the top not, of not interceptions. Daniel Jones 
had a 1.1% interception ratio this year, which was the no, best no, in the NFL. He's talking about previously, right? Previous Scott, year. He's talking about coming in his first year at a about. half, yes. Yeah. It, it, since that time, that number has gone way, right. way down. And all, the point I was trying to make is with Dable and the coaching staff, because they did a r- rather remarkable job with Daniel in regards to that, I think they can do a rather remarkable job with Darius, and he has the skill level to really put players deep. But I know you have some more calls, and I wanted to get to these last two questions I had for you. One of them I don't know if you can answer. I'm a big fan of Jack Campbell. I think one of the other callers just alluded to him. I looked at his measurables and where he's ranked, and they're outstanding. When you get to the 25th draft choice, is he a viable candidate for that 25th draft choice, if it even get, even he even gets that far? Because what he did at the combine, I'm not going to go over all the statistics because they're, they're rather good, but he's been the buzz of a lot of people, and I think the Giants led or were fairly close to giving up about 144 yards per game. They, if Beavers and, say, Campbell were the two inside linebackers, I can imagine it would be very, very difficult for teams to run on that team based on those two players. The other question, I'm going to take this other answer off the air. There's another player there, uh, Andrew Voorhees. You probably know that he did 38. Uh, yeah, he was the one that tore his ACL. Yeah, mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Do you think, uh, besides Campbell at the 25th pick, do you think Andrew Voorhees would be a risk for the Giants to take maybe in the third round or fourth round if he's, if he's available? Or do you think another team would see the viability because he was the fourth-ranked offensive lineman and the, and the best offensive lineman in the Pac-12? And assuming he's going to miss his whole rookie season because of the ACL, would he be worth the investment to take in the third or, or the fourth round because of the kind of strength that he does have? And, and I'll be glad to take your answers. All right, Scott. Guys. Appreciate the phone call. I think it depends on the team with respect to Voorhees. For example, Paul, if you're a team, you feel good about your offensive line, you want to add depth, you are totally fine with taking a player who's essentially going to take a redshirt year, right? Mm-hmm. That's what it's going to What are my medics saying? Yeah. That's what I need to know. What does it, my medical team say? If the trajectory looks good, where we bring him into our facility, we rehab him, you don't need him year one, absolutely. I could see a team taking Why not? a chance on him. We've seen that with other players, right? Mm-hmm. Tennessee, Jeffrey Simmons is a guy that comes to mind. I think that turned out to be a pretty good pick. So the Jeffrey Simmons comparison, now he plays on the opposite side of the ball. Based on that logic, yeah, absolutely. So I don't think you're just going to sit back and he's going to fall to you and it's going to be rainbows and lollipops. Well, Dallas did it with Jalen Smith when he got hurt at Notre Dame. Yeah, there's another one. I mean, you know, linebacker. It, 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 sure. sometimes you're, you're willing. Remember Willis McGahee? You Running know, back? When he, when he got hurt? Yeah, he got it, hurt it, in the it, national it, championship game. In the national championship game. And, yep. and, you know, it took him a year to get out of it, you know, to come back. It happens. P- people are willing to do that. But your medical staff has to have tremendous amount of confidence that that guy is going to come back to at least near what he was, if not 100%. And you've got to put a tremendous amount of stock in those guys. Like, you better be right. If I do this and redshirt this guy, you better be right. Well, the reason being is because if you take him based on the hypothetical of the last caller in the second and the third round, I mean, those picks are valuable. You, know, you just can't afford to throw away a pick like that, especially where the Giants are, considering they're still looking for impactful oh. players. Do I think, Paul, the Giants are in a position where – 
they can afford to take a guy on a redshirt year on the offensive line? I don't know. I don't think they're there. I think you need a guy that's going to play immediately. So I don't know if they have the luxury of another team where maybe they would want to go after a guy like Voorhees. Yeah, I know the uh, Giants at some point. Glowinski is not going to play forever. He's already been in this league for a handful of years. You have years to start thinking ahead. So yeah. you will have to start thinking ahead about him. I know they, they're very high on McKeithen. Okay. As, yeah, and as, Azudu, you know, guys and that they drafted. So, yeah. you know, if those two guys wind up being their starting two guards, you know, in 2024 and 2025 or whatever, I don't know that they need a guy like Voorhees. But would I rule out them potentially taking a look? Any team, if they think that that guy is going to be a superstar stud, you know, not a superstar, but a stud interior lineman for many years after his injury, they're going to think about him. Why wouldn't you think about him? I don't know necessarily that that they'd be thinking about him here, but I think a team would certainly want to put him on their radar at some point if their medics said he was going to be okay. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to get to that news. I see yeah, what you're saying. That's, I that's, a, that's well, a, it is. Yeah. another pricey deal. Sure. Well, something tells me our audience is monitoring social media too, so we're not their only okay. form of news. There is news in the NFC, so we'll get to end it to the second. I wanted to just finish the point here that – I do think they have young prospects either who were hurt last year or that they already invested in that they want to continue to develop and grow that they may not be in need of somebody else being thrown in that category. Oh, this team drafted those two rookies last year. Correct, exactly. Now, Jack Campbell was also brought up. Hey, you know my favorite statistic. The Giants haven't taken a linebacker in the first round since Callback. Okay. Now, there's a new regime, okay? This is not the previous GM, but we've been saying it for a number of GMs already, right? I know. So I'm not going to until it no, happens, no, no, I'm no, not no, going no, no. to start singing a different tune. No, no, no. Do no. I think Campbell's a nice player? Absolutely. But it goes back to what I was talking about earlier with you, Paul. When it comes to free agency, if you're gonna take a linebacker that early in the draft at twenty-five. He better be a three-down linebacker. Wink is going to keep him on the field, and he's going to do things that somebody in free agency wouldn't be able to accomplish. That's my answer to a player like that. They will not take one just because they want you to continue to repeat this thing. No, I can assure you. Forever. I can assure you. They don't want to spoil your track record. Not at all. And if you just want to look at the Bills as a means of a track record, not that Joe Shane is Brandon Bean and he's going to do everything that Brandon Bean did, and we already have a draft class to operate, but they invested a lot, Paul, in the defensive front in Buffalo. They Mm -hmm. would constantly use high picks on those guys. Does that mean that they don't think the same way as a linebacker? I don't know. I mean, once again, we don't have enough of a sample size to operate Joe Shane's long-term thinking, but just some food for thought. Speaking of the defensive front, that brings us to the NFC East Oh, boy. So ESPN's Adam Schefter is reporting that Javon Hargrave, who you coincidentally brought up earlier in the show, Eagles defensive lineman, he's signing with the San Francisco 49ers. It's going to be a a four-year, $80 million deal and includes $40 million guaranteed. So that means the Niners, who remember... They really needed help on their well, defensive yeah. front, didn't they? They were just so Swiss cheese-like. They needed this guy. Well, they did lose DeForest Buckner because they yes. traded him to the Colts. So now here's his replacement. Comes a little <laughs> bit after the fact. But, yeah, you got Nick Bosa and you got Eric Armstead. And yeah. now you got Javon Hargrave. Yeah. <laughs> nice position to be in if you're San Francisco. Yeah. They they know they know the strength of their team, and they're making yeah. sure that it continues to be so. Well, and also, here's another piece of the pie. 
if Jimmy Garoppolo is no longer in their plans, which they seem to indicate, and you're either going to go with Brock Purdy coming back from the significant elbow mm-hmm. injury or you're going with your initial plan, which was Trey Lance, what's the best way to protect a young quarterback with a really good defense? So yeah. John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, they understand what they need to prioritize on the roster, and I think it's a very sound decision-making process. When you have a number of defensive linemen, the Eagles have proven this, you keep guys fresh, you keep guys healthy, you don't wear them down, you protect yourself from injury, and you're not expecting your offense to go out there and score 40-some-odd points every single game because you know your defense is going to keep teams within the 20s. San Francisco and Philadelphia, very similar in terms of their philosophies when it comes to constructing a roster. And we saw that with the Giants when they won their recent Super Bowls. You had a lot of beef up front. You didn't have to play guys 95% of the snaps, and that does wonders for the defense. Speaking of the San Francisco 49ers, some more news from ESPN. Mike McGlinchey, their right tackle, He's expected to sign the Den- with the Denver Broncos. So Sean Payton comes in and he says, I want to protect Russell Wilson. <laughs> Not necessarily a bad game plan, but that's a significant loss for San Fran, by the way. Okay, they had Trent Williams, they had Mike McGlinchey. Yeah. Those were the two anchors. And this is life in the NFL. You can't keep everybody, right? You bring in Javon Hargrave, you got to sacrifice somebody. Mike McGlinchey is the sacrificial lamb. Yeah, I'm going to... Just leave that soapbox to the side. But this is what happens with a salary cap. You wind up getting guys who you want them. They want to be with you. You've developed them. You've groomed them. And now, okay, the salary cap says it doesn't matter. Because of business and because of rules, you have to get rid of good players. I can't stand when GMs and coaches have to jettison players for reasons other than what they did on the football field. It's inherently going to be a huge thorn in my side. I get it. We've had the conversation. Yes. The cap is what it is. I can't stop it. I can't change it. It's reality. I think it stinks, but it is what it is. Anyway. Well, I mean, that's why teams, you got to prioritize. You got to weigh McGlinchey versus Hargrave, right? You don't think John Lynch had that conversation, Paul? Yeah. In their mind, I'm sure they came to the conclusion Hargrave may mean more to the outlook of our team and the impact he's going to have taking up what he will with the salary cap versus McGlinchey is a solid player, but we feel we could draft somebody else or we have somebody internally that could take over at right tackle. Remember, they revamped the interior of their line last year, Paul, because guys got hurt, they moved on. So San Francisco's been put in this position. I'm Jaylen sure Moore that's part of it. Is their backup right tackle, fifth-round pick out of uh, 2021. I, I, don't, I don't recall... Out of Western Michigan, I don't recall looking at him or scouting him uh, at the time when he came out. But he is their he is their backup right tackle going into this free agency. Um, maybe they got other plans to grab somebody else. Who knows? And that's a decision that a lot of teams are going to have to make here moving forward, as everybody has to get under the salary cap by Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. The busy phones will continue to light up for teams and players across the board until that point. But we are not. We are not done, but we're still right in the thick of things in terms of what we're going to see play out in the next few hours and days with respect to free agency. But that is going to wrap up things for us 
in this extended edition of Monday's BBK. I will be back up and running again, normal time, 12.30 p.m. Eastern tomorrow and the rest of the week as we continue to react to free agency moves as they pertain to the league as well as, most important, to the New York Giants. And a reminder that today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, and we'll speak to you on Tuesday right here on BBKL. Have a good one.